Welcome to the Underground Podcast, a weekly teaching from the 20 service at Second Baptist Church in Houston, Texas. Stay tuned for ways to connect with our ministry following the message. Okay, so we're in this series, Finding Your Bay. You're before anyone else, okay? So remember, we're talking about your human relationship, not before God, but eventually you're going to get married one day, some of you, most of you. Uh, some are not ready, so hang tight. Uh, just a word of caution there. Uh, but Regardless, at one point, you're going to get married, and this person that you marry, your spouse, is going to be the most important human relationship that you have, okay? If you do it right, be the most important. So that's what we're kind of looking into, and we're using the story of Ruth and Boaz, the love story of Ruth and Boaz, to help us to understand it. Now, tonight, we're going to get into a a kind of swing in the story that uh, most people, when they're teaching, kind of freak out on, because there's a lot of things you got to kind of understand or this goes crazy quickly. And so uh, good news, you're in a place where we're going to understand it when you leave. And so it's going to be right. If you've read ahead, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, then it's all good. Now, let me catch you up super quick. So we have two people. Remember who they are? Who are the two girls? We have Ruth and Naomi. Very good. So Naomi is Ruth's mother-in-law. Basically, long story short, husbands both die. They are coming back now, have gotten back into Bethlehem, which is Naomi's hometown. Now Ruth knows that if they're going to make it, they're poor, they're broke, they're hungry. If they're going to make it, she's going to have to get out there and help this thing happen. So she starts getting out into the field. She starts to do what we call glean. Okay, so she's working out in the field. She's taking advantage of the people that have opened up a way for the poor people to be able to work and have food. While doing this, she ends up in the field of a man named Boaz. Very good. And so in this moment, this is what's very important. Leading up to chapter 3, Nothing has happened except for casual interaction with a little extra attention. Okay, there is not, as best we can tell, there's not a dating relationship yet. There's not a marriage. There are just two people that have noticed each other, have made some contact. He has extended some hands of gesture. If you remember, he sent her home with a lot of stuff, but a relationship hasn't established yet. Now, why is that important? Because for a lot of us in our culture today, we want to jump right in, right? We find someone, they look cute, I'm going to marry them, they're going to have three kids, they're all going to be mine. I mean, we we have this mindset that can be a little crazy if we're not careful. And so what we're trying to avoid here is to lay some groundwork for you that can be helpful, okay? And so we want to watch how they do this because this actually is very, very helpful for us. Now, the second thing I need to say is when you first read these verses, some of you are going to go, hmm, this is weird, okay? Just give me a chance to explain, because what's important with Scripture, you have to understand the culture and the context. The culture and the context. If you don't have the culture and the context, you will misread, okay, misinterpret, and potentially mislead your life out of the Scriptures. So this is very, very important, okay? So as we read, this is all going to make sense. Okay, so if you have a Bible, open to Ruth chapter 3. If not, look up on the screen. This is going to get good. Here we go. You ready? Okay. If you're not, that's okay. I'll talk to myself. It's all good. All right. Chapter three, verse one says this. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law said to her, my daughter. So Naomi and Ruth are having a conversation. My daughter speaking to Ruth. Should I not seek rest for you that it may be well with you? Is not Boaz our relative with whose young women you were? So remember the young women were who Boaz told her to go hang out with as you're working in the field to kind of help keep you safe and keep you company. All right. So they're having this conversation. She says a couple of things. All right. First thing she says, 
Should I not seek rest for you? Now, some of your translations may say security, rest or security, interchangeable here. What she's saying is, hey, listen, I want you to find a man. And now some of you are like, wait a minute, this sounds sexist. Rest and security found in a man. Is that the only way you can have those things? Well, no, but it's actually beautiful because if you think about it, ladies, if you can find a good, strong, godly man that will protect you and provide for you, guess what? You find rest in your soul. The worry is gone and you find peace and you find uh, someone that will provide for you. You find provision in your life. Isn't that, ladies, isn't that, is that nice, right? So when I said last week that if a man has a job, we, we can take a step forward, that was a good thing, right? Why? Because he's going to probably, hopefully, be able to provide for you. If he's a godly man that loves the Lord and cares and shows concern and cherish for you, he's probably going to protect you. So he can provide and protect. Man, that's a win, right? That's what we're looking for. So guys, if you don't qualify in that, uh, you should switch to red, okay? And then come back next year and we'll see how you do, okay? I'm just kidding, kind of. All right, so rest and security. But then she also says, but isn't Boaz our relative? And now some of us are like, whoa, wait a minute, this is kind of weird. What's that about? I, I didn't think we married relatives, but okay, maybe a new, new way of life. No, no, no. This, this would be... This would be a distant relative. It's simply by name, not by blood, okay? By name, not by blood. She was the relative of Naomi, who was Ruth's mother-in-law, okay? So just be careful here. This is not a blood connection when she says relative, but rather by name in the family line, okay? So they're having this conversation. She says, I want you to find rest and security. Ladies, I want you to find a godly man that will protect you and provide for you. That's my desire. If you don't know, write that down, okay? Because that's a great goal to have. Now, let's move on. The second part of verse 2 says this. See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. We'll make sense of this in a minute. Wash, therefore, here's her instruction to Ruth. Wash, therefore, and anoint yourself, and put on your cloak, and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. Talking about Boaz. But when he lies down... Observe the place where he lies, then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. And she replied, all that you say, I will do. How are we feeling? All right, I didn't see that coming. But I'm really interested in how this kind of relationship could take place. All right, maybe you wouldn't say that out loud, right? But did, did you catch what they said? Naomi, her mother-in-law, said, Hey, Ruth, go find that man Boaz and go ahead and essentially get in bed with him. Oh, but before you do that, butter yourself up, right? Put on your nice clothes, put on that perfume, make sure you look good. And then has anybody read this before? Some of you are like, I should have read this a while ago. This is exciting. I knew the Bible had something in there for me. What is happening here? All right, now listen, again, remember in the Bible, we got to understand culture, and we got to understand context. We got to understand culture, we got to understand context, okay? First thing, Naomi did not send Ruth on a trap mission. It was not a mission to trap Boaz into a 
marriage or a relationship or anything like that, okay? This is very, very important, okay? So please hear me. So it's not. Now here's, why would this happen? Well, if you remember, this kinsman redeemer has come up repeatedly over our study. I remember this? This kinsman redeemer. What does this mean? Kinsman redeemer is the idea that there would be, when a man dies in his family, the next male relative, particularly a brother, but sometimes it would extend beyond, the brother would then have the opportunity slash biblically responsibility to then take hold of all of the property and the people of his brother to purchase them, to take ownership of them, to essentially take care of and provide for them in the absence of their relative who passed away. This is what they called the kinsman redeemer. Now, Ruth and Naomi essentially have gone back to Bethlehem in hope that they would find a kinsman redeemer to help them. Why? Because they're broke, they're poor, they have no men to help provide or to protect them, and they're desperate for a solution, okay? Biblically, this is not abnormal, okay? This would happen if both men died of a, of a mom and of a daughter. And so they're in a very real, very scary situation. So what they're looking for is this kinsman redeemer. Now, to give you some depth, okay, and for those of you that really want to look into this biblically, I want to share this with you. There's four things that a kinsman redeemer essentially would do. Number one, they would buy the family out of slavery if that was in existence, okay? And for those of you that want to write this down, that can be found in Leviticus 25, verse 48, okay? All this you'll be able to find in the scriptures. The second thing is they would be the avenger of blood. That means if their brother was killed by someone, they would typically go after that person to make sure that justice would be found. You can find that in Numbers 35, 19. The third thing they would do is they would purchase all of the land or the property that that person owned to help keep that property in the family. That would be found in Leviticus 25, 25. And finally, and this is where Ruth comes in, they would carry on the family name by marrying, by marrying a childless widow. A childless widow widow. Why would they do this? Because particularly in biblical times, the family name was so significant. If the family line stopped, it was almost seen as if you had done something terribly wrong. Now, nowadays, we don't worry about that, so you don't hear too much about, oh, I want to keep the Herald name going strong. People might joke about it, but in biblical times, this was a major thing. And so these four elements were the most common elements of a kinsman redeemer. And so what has happened? Did Naomi send Ruth to trap Boaz? No. Naomi sent Ruth in hope that Boaz would step in as their family kinsman redeemer. Okay, so now let's look at all this. The first thing she said is what? I want you to get ready. I want you to take a bath. Put on your good perfume or oil, all right? I want you to do your hair and your makeup. Put on that whatever junk y'all listed, all five of those, all right? Do all of that. They probably didn't have that biblical times. That's okay. But she said, I want you to do all of those things. But here's the deal. There's two parts of that. Okay, sure, that would help when she encounters Boaz to be looking and smelling her best, particularly in biblical times, all right? It's a little easier nowadays for us to smell good, all right? But for her, there's a second piece to this that's very important. Do you remember what she's coming out of? She's a widow. She's a widow. She would have been in a season of mourning. She would have been in a season of, of transition as she moved from her town of Moab to Bethlehem. And so if you've ever seen someone that's lost their spouse, 
typically they are pretty devastated. It's a process to work through. The picture of her putting on these new clothes, putting on this this oil, this perfume, is a picture of her stepping into this next season of her life. It's stepping out of mourning, though sure she was probably still sad. It's stepping out of mourning and stepping into the opportunity of finding someone to help keep this family going forward. You see this? And so it's not a trap. It's actually a very biblical process, but let's keep unfolding this. Notice what she said. Wait till he's done eating and drinking. So most of us go, oh, that's it. Yep. Liquor him up and then see if you can get him to sign the marriage certificate, right? Don't ever try that ever. It's not good. You will regret it even in Vegas. All right. But the reality is she's not saying, hey, wait till he's drunk and then maybe you can get him to say something. Not a trap moment. What she's saying is it's just practical. When you're starving, you're not focused, right? When you're starving, you, you don't want to mess with any kind of nuisance that might be happening around you. Now, was he starving? No, probably not. He was a wealthy man. But this was the season when he would be collecting all of the profit from that which his farm or his lands have been working for months to produce. This was a very busy season in his life at this time in this culture. And so the fact that he would be tired and hungry would make much sense. And so she gives Ruth rather practical advice. Wait until his belly's full, he's had time to relax, and then see if you can engage, okay? So again, at first glance, we go, man, this is crazy. She's gonna get him drunk, lay down in his bed. This is gonna be wild. Really, she's following a simple and yet biblical process, and Naomi is trying to give her the best advice possible. And then what'd she say? She says, make yourself known to him. All right, and then everyone goes, ooh, now it's getting sexual. What's gonna happen? Maybe you weren't thinking that. Now you are. What's gonna happen now? Lay down. If, listen, okay, ladies, I'm gonna help you out. Um, you might ask the question, well, what guy would be tempted if a girl lifted up the covers and lay down at his feet while he was sleeping? The answer is this, one that breathes, okay? <laughs> That's the answer. There are, there are not many guys that I've ever met or encountered, okay, that if they're asleep in the middle of the night and they wake up and there's a girl laying at their feet, they'd be like, oh, no problem. You just hang tight right there. I'm going to go back to sleep. It's just, it's just a, it's a different world, right? And so the first glance here is like, whoa, she is opening herself to some crazy stuff. But again, culture and context. So watch this. In biblical times, at this point in history, it was common that one, of, one or two of the key servants of a rich man like Boaz would actually sleep at his feet, particularly in this setting, because he's not at home. He's sleeping with his prophet from the land. This was a temporary place as they were gathering all the prophet that would come. It was very common that servants would sleep at the feet. Why? So they'd be ready to serve their master at any moment. It was a picture of pure servanthood and loyalty to their master. So when Ruth, listen, shows up to the bed, lays down at his feet, right? Not by his head, not by his shoulder, not by any other place, but by his feet. It was the picture that she was surrendering herself and she's going to call herself servant. Servant. And so, again, when you understand culture and context, you go, well, you're kind of killing it, man. I was hoping this was going to really get good. Now it's just kind of making sense. This is the beauty, guys, of the Bible. 
There is so much incredible things here. But what's happening in our culture today, man, we take a little snippet, we pull it out, and we go, boom, take that. Or, hey, live this. Or believe in this. And don't get me wrong, the Bible is full of things we can have hope in and faith in and trust in and walk confidently in. Things that we need to be held accountable to and all of that. But if we don't understand what was really being written, we find ourselves in a very dangerous place. And so here she goes, lays down at his feet. Now, I want to show you one more thing. When you get married, okay, there's going to be a moment, probably at your wedding, depending who does your, your wedding, where they're going to read this passage from Ephesians 5, 22 and 23. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, let's read it together. All right, let me read it to you. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, if you've been in church long enough, you go, you know what? I've heard quite a few sermons on that. I feel okay with that. No problem. If you're new to church, particularly at weddings, it's always fun to kind of watch the faces of people when something like that's read to see how they react. If you're new to church, you go, that's what I'm talking about. That's why that God thing is wacko. That is old, outdated. I mean, that is messed up. How dare they think someone, woman would just bow down to a man? Is that what it said? No. No. See what's happening here. This is fascinating. Ruth is submitting herself under the leadership of Boaz in this act. What we're going to see in a minute is when Boaz wakes up, we're going to see him treat her kindly. What did I say? What kind of man would be tempted if a woman were to lay at his feet? Any man that was breathing? Do you not think Boaz would go through a moment like that when he woke up and said, whoa, he's literally going to go, whoa, who is that? But we see the character of Boaz, who is a gentleman and a leader and cares about everyone he encounters, including a woman that might have potentially put him in a place that would be uncomfortable or tempting. Why am I saying that to you? Well, here's why. Ladies, the act of submission is actually a beautiful thing when men live up to the standard. But in culture today, the reason we revolt at this, we're not revolting at the words. We're revolting at the history of men. That men throughout the years, not all, I pray this room would be different, but men throughout the years have destroyed the beauty of a man that would lead and protect and provide. And because of that, ladies will struggle. And honestly, I would add, rightfully so, in a human sense, to struggle with that idea. When you look back at men, even now, what's happening? This Me Too movement all over the world. I mean, it's just crazy. Men have let you down. And for that, I am sorry I can't fix the past. I can only help with what I can in the future by yelling at these fools every week the best I can. It's the best that I can do. But what I'm saying is God created this to be an absolutely beautiful thing. But because our history has messed this up, it makes it hard for us to see it. But ladies, I want to encourage you. If you can find a godly man that will love you, lead you, protect you, and provide for you, you will be able to submit to him and you will feel no way about it. Ruth knew. Ruth knew. Do you think this is a risk? Yes. He could have woken up and said, you know what? Actually, you're going to be mine tonight. Let's go and do whatever I want to do. 
He could have easily done that. In biblical times, right now, the time of the judges, people lived and did whatever they wanted. That could have easily taken place. But the character of Boaz surpassed all other things. And men, that's what we're looking for. And you and ladies, that's what you're looking for in a man. And so, by the way, tonight, whoever you maybe see, meet, just got awkward, right? Wearing green, whatever. Listen, you can't answer all those questions just yet. Tonight, it's about enjoying and observing Right? No, none of you should walk out of here having met someone for the first time and be on a date this weekend or next week. It shouldn't happen. If you're going to do it right, it shouldn't happen. Now, some of you are going to leave here and go, there's two people I'm thinking I'm going to keep an eye on because this could be something. That's how it should be. What did Boaz and Ruth do? They worked for six or so weeks together probably from afar because he was in charge of the whole thing, but they were not jumping into a relationship. They were observing each other. Do you think when Ruth went to Boaz's feet, she trusted the character because she just hoped it would work? No, she had seen who Boaz had been over the last six weeks as she was observing from afar when he wasn't trying to impress anyone. When you go on a date, what are you trying to do? You're trying to impress each other. He actually pays on the first date. That's probably the only one. I mean, the truth is, over time, reality sinks in, and you and I have got to be able, well, not me anymore because I'm wearing red, but anyways, you have got to be able to see the true man or the true woman, and you're only going to get that by observing from afar. Do you see that? Now, the big question, don't answer, is do you believe that? Because I have a lot of you in here will shake your head and walk out and do something totally different. And some of you that I know well will come back and be like, you were right. And you think I enjoy that, and I don't. I hate being right. But the truth is, most of you will get in relationships that will fall apart. And it's usually because it started off on the wrong foot. It's not always, but usually, because we're not doing it right. Okay, finish up really quick. All right, fast pace. Verse 6. So, here's what happened. She went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law commanded her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunken and his heart was merry... He went, she went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain, or he went to lie down. She came softly, uncovered his feet, lay down. At midnight, the man was startled. He turned over, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. Temptation. And he said, who are you? And she answered, I'm Ruth. You're what? Servant. Spread your wings over your servant. Write that down, guys. This could be good. For you are a redeemer. Don't write that part down. That wouldn't be good. All right? She says what? Spread your wings over me. What's that saying? She's literally literally extending, if you will, a marriage proposal. She is extending to him saying, I am wearing green without saying that. I, I, am, I am available. And Boaz, I am hoping that you will respond to what two things, to who I am, but ultimately that you would respond to this kinsman redeemer of our family and that you would help in marriage take care of me and my family. Isn't it fascinating that she's not locked up in lust, but she's locked up in the future? Isn't that interesting? Some of you thought I was going to say love. I didn't. The future. Some of us are like, as long as they look good, sound good, and don't say anything stupid in front of my family, I think I could marry them. <laughs> but the truth is, we should be looking at the future just as much as the now. One of the things I loved about my wife, Sarah, was that I knew she was going to be a great mom. She wasn't a mom yet. It was five years later that we had our first child. 
But I knew because of how she interacted with their family that she was the oldest of seven, that she was watching it being done right. I knew, and I didn't, by the way. My family was not that way. I knew she was going to be a great mom. Do you know what? That was a home run for me. But most guys in their 20s don't go, oh, she's hot and going to be an awesome mom. Sign me up. It's just not how we think. But the truth is, if we're talking about the future of the rest of our life, these are the kind of things we should be looking for. It's fascinating. So she lied down. She startled him a little bit, as we could expect. She extends this invitation. Then verse 10, and he said, may you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. My daughter, by the way, he is a little bit older. Not that she was his daughter in any way, shape, or form. But he was an older man. All right, that's okay. I was an older man too. Sarah's a little younger than me. You have made this last kindness greater than the first, listen to this, and that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask. For all of my townsmen know that you are a what? Worthy woman. Her reputation has surpassed all other things. This is awesome. And now it is true that I am a redeemer. Man, it's going great, right? Things are looking good. He's leaning up. She's thinking this is the moment I extended my hand. It must be a proposal in our terms is coming soon. This is going to be fantastic. And then he says, yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. Oh. Did you catch that? Remember the kinsman redeemer? It's the male closest to the one that passed away. And Boaz says, I got to burst your bubble. And I hate to say it, but I have to say it. There is someone that would be in front of me in this biblical term of a kinsman redeemer. I cannot take your hand yet. What a, what a bust. Verse 13, remain tonight and in the morning if he will redeem you, good. Let him do it. But if he is not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until the morning. And don't be confused. That doesn't mean that they had sex and figured out how it worked the next morning. It means she literally stayed in her place as the servant. He stayed in his place as the boss. Now listen, it's important. What did you notice that he did or that he didn't do? Did he cut a corner? No, no. No, he's, his character remains true. He said, we're going to wait. We're going to do it right. Now, we don't have to deal with this, okay? A, a kinsman, redeemer type. But he doesn't cut any corners. Now, ladies, listen. Let me tell you something. And this is for both of you, but ladies, I'm going to say it to you. If he leaves a woman in the middle of a relationship to be with you, There's a really good chance he will leave you in the middle of your relationship for another woman. Okay, now listen, I'm not making that a firm statement. I said it firmly, but I'm not saying that will always happen, but typically that's going to be the case. Can I get an amen only if you agree? Okay, maybe we should try it again. Listen, character surpasses all others in this setting. This is monumental in seeing who this man really is. 
absolutely monumental. And of course, we're seeing Ruth's character that looks are not her thing. Even age is not of concern to her. She's looking at the future. By the way, Naomi's kind of looking like a hero now, huh? This crazy advice that most people don't know what to do with is actually looking wonderful. And can I extend something to you? Good advice typically lines up with Scripture. Everything she told her to do, we read all of the passages that confirm this kinsman redeemer and why every single piece of what that means gave them a way to approach this man in this way. Do you see this? So your, your advice, okay, you can call Oprah, Dr. Phil, whoever's around these days. I guess Ellen gives advice now. You can call whoever you want, but if it doesn't line up with Scripture, it's probably not good. Here's the last piece, and we'll be done, and we can get out there and dance and awkwardly look at each other in green now that we've talked about all this. <laughs> Verse 14. So she lay at his feet until the morning, but arose before one could recognize another, and he said, let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor, and he said, Bring the garment you are wearing and hold it out. So she held it and measured out six measures of barley. Here he goes, that generosity, giving her, put it on her. Then she went into the city, and when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, How did you fare, my daughter? Then she told her all that the man, Boaz, had done for her, saying, These six measures of barley he gave to me, for he said to me, You must not go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law. She replied, Wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out, for the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. Did you see what Boaz did? He didn't cut corners, but he still gave her a Valentine gift. Isn't that awesome? He sent her home with some goods, right? Why? Why did he give her the gift? Was the gift so that he could get something in return? You might want to write this down, people. The gift at Valentine's Day is not so that you get something in return or that you get credit. It's so that that person knows that you care. Boaz did the same thing. I don't need anything from you right now, but I want you to know that I care. Here, you don't make sure you don't go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law who has set us up for marriage. He didn't say that, but he might have been thinking it at this point. And so she goes home, and Naomi says, what happened, what happened, what happened? And now the dilemma begins. What's going to happen? Will this other man stand in line? Will Boaz be the one she picks? It's better than The Bachelor or whatever nonsense you watch. This is exciting. And so Naomi and Ruth are waiting. They're waiting for the answer, and we'll look at it next week.